Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Stevenson for three. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kutch with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Dropped it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Outrunning his Brissett. Outs it all. It's it to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. Halliburton going to slam it at the other end. Happy Friday, everybody. It is 5.15 in the evening. The Indiana Hoosiers have won two games in the Big Ten tournament for the first time since 2003. If you're an IU Hoosier fan like myself, then we are enjoying this. Hope you're enjoying that. But on today's episode of Setting the Pace, I'm going to be joined by Michael Scotto from Hoops Hype to talk about all the moves the Pacers made at the deadline. And then we're also going to talk about some of the guys that didn't get moved or weren't able to be moved and what their future could like look like here with Indiana as we are slowly approaching the, the off season, but it'll be here before you know it. So he does throw some different stuff out there in terms of talking about some of the guys that could be dealt and what some of that could look like. So I think it's interesting. We also talk about some of the free agents you guys have asked about miles bridges and Deandre Ayton. So really good, uh, really cool interview here. And I really appreciate Michael for coming on, but one to let everybody know, you can follow us on Twitter at setting the pace three. I'm at Alex golden NBA. My co-host, Michael J. Focci, who is actually getting married in just a few hours uh, at underscore F-A-C-C-I. And if you have not already, please, 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 please leave us a five-star rating over on Apple Podcasts. We are so close to 200 reviews, and it would be just fantastic if you guys could just tell a friend, tell your tell your family member maybe, hey, there's a cool podcast that I like listening to quite a bit. It's called Setting the Pace. Give us a five-star rating interview. That would be super awesome. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, you're going to be listening to my conversation with the one and only Michael Scott. All right. Joining us now on Setting the Pace, he is a recurring guest. He joined us before the trade deadline from Hoops Hype, Michael Scotto. Michael, thanks so much for joining us again. My pleasure, brother. Anytime. Great to be back and chat Pacers and go around the league with you once again. Yeah, absolutely. So I think last time, you know, you said if you were GM of the Pacers, you'd just blow the whole thing up and, you know, try to restart the whole thing. And we talked about DeMontis Sabonis as a potential, you know, person to be traded from this team and, and you mentioned the Kings were really the only team that made sense and voila a few days later we we get a bit of a stunner here though 
Tyrese Halliburton is the guy in the trade instead of the Aaron Fox, which was what had been heavily rumored. So can you kind of just talk us through what you thought about that trade between the Pacers and the Kings? I think Tyrese Halliburton kind of made it a no brainer from Indiana's perspective because, you know, realistically, I don't know if they were going to, I don't necessarily think they were going to get a better young prospect to build around. And, you know, I reported on Hoopsack that a lot of other executives think eventually Malcolm Brogdon is going to get moved this summer. Um, when he signed his extension, he couldn't get moved at the deadline. But after that, um, in the offseason, he's fair game. And now that they get Tyrese Halliburton um, under control, first and foremost, you know, because he's going to eventually be eligible for restricted free agency. So you have the right to match any offer for him. Having him, you have longer term security than you would with DeMontis Sabonis, who just touched on free agency with the Kings. And he said, well, if everything goes according to plan and whatnot. So, yeah. you know, I, I thought that was interesting. But for the direction that Indiana was looking to go, I, I just felt that, you know, essentially blowing up the roster was the right way to go and having some younger guys, I think. And I'm sure we'll touch on it, but I think Miles Turner's injury um made it tough for him to get moved for teams that wanted to get him now uh, in more of a win-now mode. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis certainly was the best uh, player that Indiana could have moved. And I think for Sacramento, um, you know, they were trying to, at the time, get out of the uh, lottery and to try to get into play-in tournament in the playoffs. Not sure that's going to happen at this point. It's looking like the odds are against them yet again. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the biggest thing for Sacramento, too, was they were able to get off the contract with Buddy Heald, uh, which I don't think can be underestimated here. And I think that's part of the reason why Sacramento was willing to give up Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, Tyrese is a guy that could be an all-star down the line. I think a lot of executives are high on him, certainly when you talk to him around the league. Uh, the difference is DeMontis Sabonis has been an all-star and been there so far. Right. So, I mean, obviously, I, I think both teams will benefit from this trade. I think the Pacers might benefit more in the long term just because, like you said, that control of Halliburton's contract potentially for the next seven seasons. Right. So it's uh, it's one of those things where the Kings, they took a risk by giving up a young guy that really believed in that franchise to get Sabonis. But, you know, Sabonis, like you said, he's a proven two time All-Star and can really provide them a position of, of need because they have desperately needed someone that can score at the center position. So um, you talked about Buddy Heald and, and kind of how he was more so a throw-in for this deal. The Kings really wanted to get rid of him. But he's actually been surprisingly good over this short stint of the last 10 to 11 games here with the Indiana Pacers. Um, we'll get into Brogdon and Turner here in a little bit, but I, I want to get your thoughts on Buddy Heald exactly. Um, there were some rumors and reports out there that the Pacers could trade him before the deadline was over you know just teams were inquiring about him I guess so uh, after maybe seeing his production over the last 10 to 11 games do you think there's potential that Buddy Heald is dealt or do you think he could stay put in Indiana and serve as like more of a six-man type of guy well what I would say with Indiana is right now they're in a position where anybody is on the table I would say except for Tyrese Halliburton who they just got obviously they're very fond of um, when you're trying to enter a rebuilding mode, anything's on the table. He's a little bit older, so it would certainly behoove them uh, to gauge the market on him and see what his value would be. Um, I, I think that's the best way of putting it. Um, and certainly uh, for Indiana, while, they are, while they're never a team that fully tanks uh, necessarily, and they do have a balance of veterans and stuff, I think it's going to depend on the, the roster composition, who they get in the draft. 
Um, maybe, you know, if they get a younger guard to pair with Tyrese and Chris Duarte, then that maybe could change things a little bit. But right now, you know, certainly um, they could look to flip him for a team that needs shooting. I was a little surprised Eric Gordon was not moved uh, mm. before the deadline. Dennis Schroeder, there were a couple of guys. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I don't think by any means that Buddy Hield is untouchable. Like I said, I think the only right. guy that's really untouchable in Indiana right now is Tyrese Halliburton. And I, and I would expect Indiana to at least gauge the market and see with him playing better. It doesn't hurt to do so. Yeah, it, honestly, it could be the best time to move him now that he's probably showcased a little bit more than what he was showcasing in Sacramento. I think his assist numbers have been something that have been really intriguing so far. I think he's averaging like five assists with the Pacers since he's been here. So we've been joking around calling him Buddy Dimes just because nobody expected this from, from him. But, um, you know, speaking of another guy, Malcolm Brogdon, this is a guy that's actually been playing pretty well. Rick Carlisle has had a ton of praise for him over the last, you know, couple of weeks because he's been playing at a high level since he returned from that injury. So, like you said, obviously he could not be traded because of the contract extension that he signed. So you did say that there would probably be teams inquiring about him in the offseason. Um one, are there any teams that you know of that have interest in him? And two, do you think that that contract extension helps or hurts the Pacers in terms of negotiations? I would say that when it comes to about like whether teams know, like if teams want to go after him, I wouldn't put him out publicly yet only because the draft is going to come and the draft could change things. But right, right. Do, I, do I know the teams that have him on their radar? Yeah, there's a couple that are certainly monitoring him because at the end of the day, they think that Indiana could eventually sell off him, um, like I had reported on previously. I think it's just going to depend how the draft shakes for not only Indiana, but for the other teams that are looking for help at point guard. Um, you know, Malcolm Brogdon has certainly been a serviceable player. You know, I think last year he was a guy that was a borderline all-star. The biggest thing for him has been staying healthy. Um, and that's been kind of the knock on his game so far. Um, but a good locker room guy, well-respected around the league. So I, I definitely expect interest in him. And, and what was your second question again? Yeah, I was curious if you thought that the contract extension the Pacers gave him would help or hurt the Pacers in negotiations uh, in I, terms of trying to move off of him. I think it'll help because you look at the deals that Lonzo Ball, Fred Van Vliet have gotten, it's kind of on par with that, like a little bit more mm -hmm. um, in terms of average annual salary. So, you know, I, I don't think that that, if anything, you have him locked up for more years, it should um, make it like, let's just say Indiana wanted to get a first round pick for him. I think it would make it easier to do that because you have him under control for longer. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he's at a fair price. I, I don't think his, his contract is overpaid, you know, and if you want to, you know, penny pinch by a couple of million, but nobody in the league is doing that at this point, it's not an egregious contract by any stretch of the imagination. So I think, um it gives him him financial security and yes i do think it gives the pacers more uh i don't know if i want to say leverage but it it would make a return for him on paper seem higher than if he did not sign an extension yeah that makes a lot of sense and then obviously i want to go to miles turner here too because this is a big question mark for the pacers he was he's been rumored probably the last three to four seasons heavily in terms of being dealt and so it, it just, you know, the Hayward deal, Danny Ainge didn't really seem to be interested. So that kind of fell through there a couple of years ago. 
And then I don't really know what happened with the Bjorken era. It was just a hot mess the whole time. And then this year he got injured. So it just seems like there hasn't been a deal out there. One, the Pacers have love for him. And two, circumstances have kind of altered their opportunities to move him. So um, talk about that injury and how it scared teams off. And do you think that that could be a concern for teams heading into the offseason, knowing that that injury, he still hasn't returned from it? I think it was a combination of multiple things. One, the injury, I think, certainly scared teams off that were trying to bolster their position for the playoffs. You know, teams that were looking at Miles Turner were more playoff caliber teams, lower caliber playoff teams that are trying to make a run. Mm-hmm. So if a guy's going to be injured, it, it, it hurt the value. And also, um, I, I just think that with him, one, the Sabonis trade happened. I think it didn't force Indiana to move him you know they originally wanted a first round pick for miles and a good young player or uh two first whatever was the equivalent you know either one of those two scenarios would have worked once he got hurt nobody was trying to do that so i i think now him trying to come back and show that he's healthy uh, is going to be important for indiana if they want to flip him and and miles turner and i have spoken about this um on a Hoopside podcast, he even said, you know, teams are going to do what's in their best interest for them. He knows that. He's no, he knows his name has been in the rumor mill for three, four seasons now. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's used to it. He does love Indiana. Um, you know, anytime I talk to him, he's always spoken well of the area and he enjoys the fans, certainly. But he knows it's a business and anything can happen. And he knows the direction of the team. I still think Miles is young enough where you can, if you want uh, to use him as part of the rebuild for a little bit and see where it goes. I just think that the other scenario you got to look at is Miles is his ability to shoot the ball and a black shot. And he is the best shot blocker in the NBA. I know some may say Rudy Gobert, but to me, I think it's him. Uh, Miles, and statistically, he's led the lead in blocks per game. But, um, you know, for him, it's going to be, well, how much are you willing to pay him, especially if you're going in a rebuild? You know, are you going to look to try to maybe get a younger, cheaper center? Like maybe Goga Batadze, try to give him more time um, and, and go in that direction? And do you try to then flip miles for a younger guy in a first-round pick at a different position? Or maybe a younger center even at that as well. So they've got to balance all that out going into the offseason. But I, with miles, it, it, it's really going to be, I think, also a long-term projection of what do you think his value is going to be? You know, if, if Miles, you know, Jared Allen just got paid, you know, is he going to use that as a contract to kind of negotiate with and say, well, if Jared Allen's making this, I think I should be in that range uh, close to it. Then Indiana's got a decision to make for sure. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Turner as well, because like you said, he's an unrestricted free agent after this upcoming season. So the 2023 summer, he'll be a free agent, only one year remaining on the deal after this season. So there's been reports that have said he want, he's looking for an extension. And so I think if the Pacers don't give him that, I think the writing could be on the wall with his long-term time here. But at the same time, you know, like you said, his age does make a whole lot of sense with the core. He's still young enough to be a part of that. And then a guy that's kind of in the middle somewhere is TJ Warren, a guy that we haven't really seen in the last two seasons. So a lot of fans have asked this question, what is the asking price to bring TJ Warren back and would you do it? So, I, I mean, obviously with this injury history that he's had with that foot problem, um, I'm sure a lot of teams will be frightened to give him any long-term money, but I'm curious your thoughts if you've ever heard, if you've heard anything around the league on, on TJ Warren. 
see, uh, well, when it comes to TJ Warren, I haven't heard a specific price tag for him or a range yet. Now, part of that is I, I haven't asked around as much on TJ. Um, but in terms of what type of deal structure lengthwise, most people would think it's going to be a shorter term deal, kind of like a prove it deal. Um, we just saw Victor Oladipo come back from Miami and he did a short term deal. Um, I don't know if the value financially in terms of the money he got is going to be the same. Um, but for TJ, it wouldn't shock me on a one year, one plus one kind of deal. Um, just because, um, you know, you saw the best of TJ Warren in the bubble, but we haven't seen it since for the most part, he's been hurt. And while you'd like, I think a team would certainly be willing to take a gamble on a guy like that. Um, I don't think this free agency class, uh, is as good as people think it's going to be, especially even at the top, you know, Bradley Beal stays with Washington and then, you know, or he does a sign and trade for whatever reason, you know, it's not true free agency. You know what I mean? Like true free agents out there. You think of like a guy like Mitchell Robinson, who's unrestricted, you know, Yusuf Nurkic guys like that, um, you know, Miles Bridges. So I think um, it's going to be interesting to say, well, actually I shouldn't say Miles Bridges, excuse me, but um I think, you know, like DeAndre and rather, no, not even him. Cause like, the, I, it's, you see what I'm saying? Even as I'm going through Jalen Smith. Like, yeah. Like as you go, well, that's a whole other story, but yeah. <laughs> um, it, but you see what I'm saying though? Like there's not yeah. a lot of true free agents out there. So I, I think yeah. in a way that in a backwards way is going to help TJ, but right. uh, again, I think it's going to be a short-term prove it deal and the, what money it's going to be. That's going to be interesting to see as we go into the market, but I can't imagine it being a significant number given his injury trouble at this point. Yeah. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense for him to stay in Indiana only because he has expressed his, you know, like, like he likes being here. So he's expressed that. I think he's a pretty quiet guy. They don't really ask him to do too much. He's been pretty quiet the last couple of years, obviously doesn't even hardly do interviews at all. So, you know, it'll be interesting. I think he's a talented player, but the best ability is availability. And so um, one more guy on the roster that I want to talk about before we get into other players around the league is TJ McConnell. And he's been out for a very long time with a wrist injury. Um, the Pacers just signed him last year in the yeah. offseason. Um, and that contract was a bit, you know, it, a lot of fans thought it was fair, but then there was some buzz that it might have been a little bit of an overpay for TJ McConnell. And then from some of the people we've talked to, they said they don't know if he's a great Carlisle fit. So mm. has there been anything in terms of, you know, teams interested in a guy like McConnell, you know, that kind of thing. I know he's a lower tier player, so it's not I like. I don't even know, you know, to that point, I don't even know what a Rick Carlisle fit is necessarily <laughs> because like, I think some people like Rajon Rondo certainly wasn't a Rick Carlisle fit, but um I don't know. Is, is Buddy Heald a Rick Carlisle fit? I, I, I don't even know how to define that necessarily. Yeah. I think some on paper might have been like, eh, I don't know. Guy that mostly shoots threes and, and that's it. Yeah. I, I don't know. So when it comes to TJ McConnell, look, first of all, I think the contract he got was it's ballpark f where I thought it would be and fine. And yeah. it wasn't even – I don't know it was non-guaranteed the second year or an option for the team. I forget what it was, but it's like – was flexible i yeah you can't be penny pinching on that i think tj is well liked around a lot and around the league uh anytime you're a guy that plays defense you're gonna get a shot because mm -hmm. in today's nba now a lot of guys play both sides of the ball low maintenance guy uh you know good defender 
a good locker room guy. And I know offensively he's not like a, a dynamic guy, but if you compare him on the court with a, with a scoring wing, you're fine. So yeah. I, I definitely see him having a backup role as a point guard in the NBA next year. Mm-hmm. Now what the money's going to be, that all depends on how teams I think are going to spend their mid-level exception. And if they have the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, because sometimes they try to divvy it up. So right, I think right. he'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think it was a, much of an overpay at all. I think, I think he's had a, a four-year deal, if I'm not mistaken, for like 36 million, something like that, where the fourth year is like partial guaranteed or something like that. So, um, you know, the only reason I think that there's some concern with him and Carlisle's fit is, just the lack of shooting. And mm-hmm. we saw that a lot at the beginning of the season where he did not have the ball in McConnell's hands. And so then McConnell would be basically spread out in a five out situation. And, you know, then he would, nobody would be guarding him. He'd take forever to shoot the ball. And then uh, a lot of times it wasn't going in more than it was. So, you know, I can understand that a little bit, but I do want to transition now into the rest of the league. Like you said, there's not a lot of unrestricted free agents in this upcoming class. So, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but the Pacers do have $26 million roughly in cap space. So there are some possibilities that they could throw some money out at some guys that they were interested in them and that kind of thing. And so um, they're not one that usually goes after restricted free agents. Every time they've done that, they've done it via trade, I believe. Um, yeah. Going back to the Malcolm Brogdon thing with Milwaukee, they gave first round pick for that. So two guys you brought up earlier, Miles Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, have been two guys that a lot of fans have thrown questions at us for the podcast for. So I figured, you know, we, we kind of guess and just throw crap at the wall, but you know, what, what exactly do you think it would take, I guess, not for, for either Charlotte or Phoenix to part ways with one of those two, you know, young level, uh, young star level players. First of all, I think if you're Phoenix, I don't see why you would try to move DeAndre. And at this point, I think you would have to get a lot. You're in a position of leverage here. Um, obviously, the playoffs are going to go a long way towards his value. I know, obviously, DeAndre Ayton and his camp would love to get a max contract. Um, Phoenix has not tried to do that to this point, certainly. So we'll see um, how that shakes out with them. In terms of Indiana specifically, it's like, what are you going to spend on DeAndre Ayton for if you've got Miles Turner there? You could keep Turner at a cheaper rate, I think. Um or if you're going to flip Turner and then go after eight and fine, but then you're going to be giving up assets and money mm-hmm. to probably get him. So I, I don't necessarily see that. Miles Bridges is an interesting case. Miles Bridges has improved his value on the free agent market compared to uh, before the year when he and, the, and his camp and the Charlotte Hornets had tried to work out an extension. You know, they were kind of worried about, going into the tax and then having to pay him and then other guys as well. Eventually they're going to have to pay LaMelo. Uh, the two of them are pretty close. So I wonder now if maybe Charlotte opens up the wallet a little bit more on him. But when you think of Miles Bridges now, it's like this is a 20 plus million dollar player. And that's putting it lightly. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely more than that. That's a conservative effort uh, on my part. So, you know, Charlotte didn't necessarily want to go that high when they were in extension talks. Now they're going to have to if they want to keep him. Um, if not, then maybe you work out a trade there. But I, it's hard to say, like, the value of that because ultimately Charlotte and, and Phoenix, they kind of have the opportunity to keep both guys. So to me, it's like if you want to keep them, you're not going to really entertain that. Um, and if you are then going to entertain moving them, I mean, you got to at least get a first-round pick 
like DeAndre and like people forget was the the top pick. Like yeah, I, number one, <laughs> you'd want at least like a high one or multiple one. You know what I mean? And and I don't know if Indiana. I have to look at their uh, draft situation. What's in the cupboard? But uh, yeah, I don't know if they would have enough to to do that. Malcolm Brogdon was different. You know, Milwaukee at the time was worried about tax implications and his injury history. They had more of a willingness to move off of him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to be the case with Phoenix and uh, with Aiton and Charlotte with Bridges uh, to this point just yet. Yeah, and we the only thing I could think of throwing it out there was potentially a sign and trade um, for both of them with Miles Turner going either way, depending on what both teams would be interested in because like you said like you know why would the Pacers give up Turner for Aiton when Turner's on a much cheaper contract well that could be the thinking for Phoenix you know hey we can get a guy that's a better shot blocker might fit our system a little bit differently uh can knock down the three because Aiton is not a guy that usually steps out and shoots three so they could change their dynamics a little bit but um I brought up a good point, Alex, because I just want uh, one thing that stuck out to me this past offseason with restricted free agents. Not one player signed an offer sheet. All the guys that were restricted were either re-signed by their own team or they did a sign and trade. Mm-hmm. Like you look at Devontae Graham, you look at Lowry Markinen, for example. So to, to your point, I, I think you were on the right track there. If a guy is going to move in restricted free agency, um, you know, I, I, I would be interested to see if a team – like, does a team like Detroit, for example, try to clear space to get to max territory to go for eight and, and then really push uh, Phoenix? And if anything, even if they don't sign him, you make it tougher on them to keep him. I think that's interesting. I had touched on uh, about Detroit having some potential interest down the line in Mitchell Robinson. I just spoke about it recently on the Hoopside podcast with Stefan Bondi of the New York Daily News. And the thinking there is a guy like Mitchell Robinson's cheaper, unrestricted, and easier to, to pay on a smaller scale, certainly than like what DeAndre Ayton is going to uh, project in terms of his free agent value. So you got to look at that. And um, I, I, again, Harold Ellis, who used to work with the Knicks, now works with the Pistons. They've got good background intel on Mitchell Robinson. So I just think that's something to keep an eye on when you're looking at the center market. There's a lot of centers in this free agent class. And I think, and I've talked about this with executives, someone is going to get squeezed and it's going to be tough to see, you know, Portland, they didn't trade Yusuf Nurkic. You get the sense that both sides want to get something done from people I talk to. So that would take a need and a lot of cap space out because Portland cleaned the deck at the trade deadline. So then that affects them. Um, and then you've got younger guys that are restricted, you know, potentially like Nicholas Claxton, Mo Bamba, a lot of dominoes here that got to fall. And I don't know if there's enough chairs when the music stops for some of these centers, <laughs> Alex, I, that's just my take. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's so interesting because it's like, we're talking about centers and that's not really the most prominent position right now in today's NBA. I mean, obviously you got Jokic and Embiid battling for the MVP you know title but at the same time it's like a lot of centers in today's nba are not afterthoughts but they're not the the primary focus on a team it's more of a wing guard driven league in today's nba so you know that's the only reason i i thought about charlotte only because they've been linked to miles turner for the last four years it feels like um we've heard the pj washington trade rumors uh for turner i don't know how many different times i think even well that well i could speak on that yeah um that's more Charlotte being like, hey, how you doing? 
what do you think? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was more Charlotte asking on that. And I don't think a PJ is a true five. He's a small ball five. Right. Um, at, at this point. Um, but yeah, you know, you touch on centers too. Like, look, unless you're Joel Embiid or Nikola uh, Jokic, like, like to me, then it's like, okay, those are the guys that are going to get paid the max money and that's mm-hmm. fine. And it's worth it. You're talking like two MVP candidates. If you're anywhere in the middle of that, then you look at like the Clint Capellas, the Jared Allens of the world, and they're more towards the high teens or the $20 million range or the low 20s. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you got to be a guy that's a borderline all-star caliber guy. So you, you're, you're factoring all those things. Most guys want to get guys cheap at center. Look at look at the Nets with Andre Jumman. You know, Phoenix ended up getting JaVale McGee as well as a backup. You know, the backup market's easier. Like, that's like $5 million or so for a really good backup. There's mm-hmm. tiers to this. But, yeah, when it came to Charlotte and uh, Indiana, I mean, that was more Charlotte, uh, you know, dangling uh, P.J. Washington out there because Miles Turner for them would have been a good upgrade offensively and defensively for them. Yeah, and P.J. Washington did regress or has regressed a little bit this year from his numbers last year. But, um, you know, it's just interesting because we always hear similar rumors with the Hornets and and Turner. And so that's why I was like, hey, you know, if they don't want to overpay for Miles Bridges and they really like Turner and the Pacers are like, hey, let's make a deal. We'll do a sign and trade. You know, they have picks because they've they made the Karis LeVert trade, which we didn't talk about yet. Um, I know we did talk about the Cavs having interest in him. And you pretty much shut me down whenever I was like, what about Isaac Okoro in a deal? Uh, and so, obviously, you were spot on the money there, but the Pacers did get two very valuable picks. Um, so, I guess just to kind of wrap it up, what were your thoughts on the Karis Levert trade for both squads? And do you like what Indiana actually came away with in terms of that? And then, I, of course, you did kind of bring up the uh, um, the Tory Craig for Jalen Smith. You said oh, that's a different story. So, uh, you know, just the whole thing there with Jalen Smith and his contract, I mean, it's it's very frustrating for Pacer fans because – they're limited to what they can pay him in the off season because of that. Um, not go ahead. So I think when it comes to Karras, I think, uh, so I'll say this, the Tyrese Halliburton, DeMontis Sabonis trade and the Karras Levert trade to the Cavaliers, both scenarios was both teams had what each other wanted. And I think it was just about figuring out the middle ground to make it work. It had been talked about like Karras Levert, to the Pacers, I felt like was a month plus long dialogue. Yeah. At least like floated out their rumors. I don't know how long they had like specific discussions. You know, you're not going to know unless you're in the building. You can only go based on what people tell you, but that, that was talked about for a while. Um, I think it was a fair deal for both sides. Um, I certainly think for, um, you know, Sacramento and, and Indiana was the same thing. When it comes to Jalen Smith, the other thing I would say is I know they can only go up to a certain percentage above what he's making now. On the flip side of that, if you talk to most executives around the league, are you really trying to go that much higher than that percentage for Jalen Smith at this point, who just now this year has started to show a pulse? Yeah. Not necessarily. So I think it was a worthwhile risk. You know, Tory Craig, solid role player, not going to move the needle for you. Just like Justin Holiday wasn't going to move – the needle, like good player, but not in that situation on a rebuilding team, you know, more of a playoff team. And again, Sacramento, they were trying to um, win. So, you know, him being part of that package, fine. But um, I, I think overall it, it was fine. It's a swing for the fence. You might as well with uh, Jalen Smith. And I know he had uh, 
a mistake the other night uh, and <laughs> yeah, a loss. Certainly, yeah. I'll, I'll call it that. But it's like that; those are the guys you're going to want to shoot your shot with and take the risk on. So I had no problem with it from Indiana's perspective. You get a look at a guy, you bring him in the building, and you see what he's about. You see what his character is about. Does he want to improve? Is he a guy that's just trying to do this now because it's a contract year? Those are the things you're only going to find out when a guy's in, in your building. You get to know him and evaluate his uh, his psyche in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's true. And yeah, that whole Jalen Smith thing is interesting because unfortunately with the, with the Suns declining his rookie option, when they traded him to the Pacers, they're only able to offer him what he's making this year for next season. So uh, it's, it's put some on a cap hole, but like some people have said, like, you think teams are really just going to go pay him more than that than what he's already making? Because like you said, he was kind of buried in Phoenix's bench and didn't even get into the rotation during the playoffs last year when they were really hurting for some big men. So, you know, he's played well in Indiana overall, shooting the ball well from three, which has been a surprise. Um, I, I think he's just given a bigger opportunity. He's been getting the most minutes out of all the bigs here with Turner being injured. So, Definitely. uh, It seems like somebody that Carlisle likes. And I think also, too, that's a great culture for Indiana to kind of set here. It's like, hey, if you're a young player that has been kind of buried on a team like, hey, if you get to Indiana, you will get a chance to play. Um, I think that's something that could be good for the pace moving forward. But um, as we wrap it up, is there any other rumors out there or anything that we should keep an eye on moving forward that you haven't brought up yet? Uh, I mean, I would definitely say if you haven't checked out the, the latest podcast on the mm-hmm. Knicks. We touched on them. They're like whole roster up and down. So I would definitely take okay. a look at that. Um, I'd also say I'm going to have uh, scheduled tentatively to have Darius Miles and Quentin Richardson as a guest, as guests on the Hoops High podcast. So that's going to be fun. Oh, that'll be nice. Uh, get a little insight <laughs> into them and their careers. I'm sure they're going to have some stuff to say behind the scenes on that. And just working on some polls on stuff around the league with executives and players, as always. So just keep an eye out for those. Those, you know, I, I always get a kick out of it. Like, well, when when are those coming out? It's like when I get all the answers from everybody. <laughs> you know, exactly. Right now is at all these college tournaments, and, and the Pacers have plenty of guys at the college tournaments. You know, ACC, Big East, all around. So um, they're doing their due diligence, getting ready for the draft and everything, and pretty much every other team is. So yeah, you know, keep uh, keeping eye out for that and you know as always if I got anything really pressing at the moment you know at Mike A. Scott on Twitter yeah exactly so uh, make sure you guys give uh, Mike, Mike a follow there and I want to thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your thoughts on what the Pacers did and how they can move this team forward and continue this rebuild and uh, would love to have you back on as we get closer to the draft because that's when rumors really start heating up as yeah. we approach the offseason so uh, if you're cool with that that'd be great we'd love to have you back on Absolutely. Look, I think if you're an Indiana fan right now, having Tyrese Halliburton is a great start. Um, you know, they got Chris Duarte as well. You got kind of a nice little backcourt uh, combo there. I think you see with the rest of the uh, young guys, I'd want to find out what Goga Batadze could be in this league. I'd try to play him more. Jalen Smith, just let the young guys have at it, improve your draft position and uh, see where the ping pong balls fall. Yeah, we definitely need some luck with those ping pong balls because uh, being in the fifth spot has not bode well for uh, a lot of teams. I think Cleveland's the only team like in the past like 10 years that's moved up from five. So um, obviously the odds are different now than they were 10 years ago. But uh, doing some research on that, every team in the fifth spot on draft lottery has stayed the same or fell back. So 
I mean, I do, I do have some confidence. You know, Chad Buchanan found, you know, CJ McCollum when he was in Portland. Yeah. So I think uh, that's something to look at. And uh, I, I, you know, could be worse. Yeah. You could, uh, I think at this <laughs> point, I think the worst thing for Indiana would have been, you know, mediocrity and kind of maybe just getting into the playoffs on another first round exit or just outside of it. You know, at this point, it gives you a chance to get a higher player. Plus, you know, again, Indiana found, you know, Paul George years ago later on, you know, like the Giannis Antetokounmpo's of the world, sometimes they're in the 15 range. You just got to find them. Yeah, and the Pacers will have ample opportunities because they own the Houston pick in the second round, which I think is 31 to 33 in that range right now. They've got the Cavs pick, which is currently at 19, and then they're currently at five. So there's a lot of opportunities here for them to be flexible and, and be aggressive and try to figure out a spot they want to land if they, if they see a guy they like and I, I think this is a good opportunity for the Pacers moving forward so uh, Michael once again thanks so much for coming on we really appreciate it you got it brother anytime let's go Pacers This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.